friends, welcome to Thursday and today's episode of Enough for Today. We are in Psalm 48 and thanks for joining me and I hope you'll join me there. Psalm 48, we had a wonderful night of groups last night and we press on mid-May, can you believe it? Uh, we come, I can't believe how anymore how fast these days and the months fly by. It'll be no time at all before we'll be actually experiencing, living out this psalm. It will be unfolding all around us. Uh, so we began yesterday talking about this one following on 46 and 47. It's a celebration of God, and it is a celebration of his greatness. Again, in the shadow of the deliverance that he's brought, the miraculous supernatural deliverance. Um, I'm reminded that many people don't believe in anything supernatural, and I think, wow, if I was stuck, trapped in this, in this, in the bondage of the natural, what a depressing life that would be. I'm so thankful that we have a God that resides outside of the boundaries of the natural order. He created the natural order. He, uh, he, he um, sustains the natural order. He is by definition supernatural. Um, so when I'm up against impossible odds, I can trust that my God is able and he will come through. And that's what celebrating, uh, that's what the, the, the Jewish people are celebrating in this psalm uh, it, at its creation and at its inception. And it comes to us as the Word of God, inviting us into that relationship, that victory by Jesus, and thereby inviting us into that celebration. So great is the Lord, it says, and greatly to be praised, very deserving, worthy to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Now, geographically, Jerusalem is sitting in a mountain, uh, and it has several hills at the top of that mountain. The mountain is called Moriah. It's also called Zion, and those words can refer to different uh, different uh, parts of the hill. They're little hills that make up one big hill, um, and it is um, an awesome place, and God has revealed that that is his city, and it will be forever and ever and ever um, and that is one of the ways he's revealed himself to mankind. So he is worthy to be praised, and the people that are praising him are so glad that he showed up in his city to defend his city um, and, uh, and protect the mountain of his holiness. That temple uh, points us to the holiness, the purity, the perfection of God. Look at verse 2, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of of the great king. It's, it is beautifully situated. That's what the first part of that phrase means. It, the way it is situated is beautiful. And I could just comment on this. It really is. There are, um, there are few places on earth that I love to visit as, as much as the Holy Land and, and particularly Jerusalem. And I can't even explain fully why. Um, in many respects, it's, it's, it's just a busy, bustling city. But that in and of itself is a miracle because so many empires have tried to destroy and have flattened that city. There's no reason it should exist today as a flourishing uh, hub of life that it, that it is. And it's a joyful place. Uh, certain, certain times of day or night, <clears throat> You go to certain shopping areas, there's live music out on the streets and people uh, enjoying dining and uh, kids playing soccer and, and young college students throwing the football and 
Um, you, you'll see weddings taking place. You, you just see it's a place of joy um, and so much history there. But uh, I, I think for me, it may be just the sense that knowing God, knowing, knowing what took place there, knowing what's going to take place there, and knowing how God is truly going to reign forever in that place, um, it, it, it's just, it's like coming home to visit Jerusalem. There's a part of my heart that is more at home there than it's ever been anywhere. And I, again, that sounds weird. I, I can't really describe it uh, or, or fully explain it, but uh, it's true. It is beautiful for situation. The way it is situated is absolutely beautiful. And the joy of the whole earth, why is that? Because the great king came to become the high priest and the shepherd. Um, the shepherd of the sheep became the lamb to rescue them, to bring them into relationship. So the source of joy came to reclaim, to redeem our reason to have joy. And it all happened there in that city. It all happened on that mountain um, when our king gave his life for us. Let's read verse 3. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. So you see the, the joy folding out of the refuge. And again, these people are, are processing this in the fact that God just gave a mighty triumph over an invading army, and it is a massive victory, and the city is erupting with joy, and the people are celebrating. But one thing I've just taken away from Scripture the last several months is the jubilant heart of our God. Uh, we've been studying Jesus in John's Gospel, and the first way Jesus revealed himself was to... Uh, save the day at a wedding feast by turning water into wine. Uh, a jubilant, festive celebration that was being threatened by not enough. And Jesus was there and basically said, I'm enough and I can give you enough. So keep, keep the celebration going. Um, the jubilance of God's heart, the feasts of Israel. He wanted Israel to come to this place, to Mount Zion, to the city of God, to the city of the great king. He wanted them three times a year to gather as tribes and as a nation and to feast for a week and to celebrate and worship and jubilance. Uh, he wanted, the, our modern vernacular concept is it's a party. Now we tend to think of something sinful in that regard because our parties tend towards uh, debauchery and self-destruction in the carnal sense. But in, in God's economy, this is, this is, uh, the, the, the consummation of joy and celebration and victory. He is a jubilant God, and he is worthy of, of that jubilation. He wants you to experience it, and he wants you to express it. And he wants you in verse 3 to see him, to know him. But how do you know him? I think it's J.I. Packer that began his book, Understanding God or Knowing God, with the idea that the most important thoughts you ever have, the most important thing you ever think is what you think about God, because that frames everything else about your life. How does God want you to know him? He wants you to know him as a refuge. Now, my friend, a refuge is where you go for help. It's where you hide from a storm. It's where you rest from trouble. Uh, it is where you find safety and security. It is where you go to reclaim confidence against all vulnerabilities. And so I leave you with that thought. Your God wants to be known as a refuge. See him as that today. Run into him, run into his arms, rest in his refuge, 
and know that he's got you. He's got you. He's got this. He's got you. So put the problems in his hands. Hey, happy Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.